0: Welcome to The Happy Writer, a podcast that aims to help readers find new books to enjoy and authors find more joy in their writing. I am your host, Marissa Meyer. I'm the author of The Lunar Chronicles, The Renegades Trilogy, and Heartless. Thanks so much for joining me here today. I am very happy to report that as of the time of recording this, I have officially completed my self imposed 14 day quarantine. Um, that I, I started right when I got home from book tour, um, because I kind of caught a little bit of a cold on book tour. Um, so I'm, I'm done. I'm done through the 14 days. I'm still pretty sure that I don't have coronavirus. Um, but of course we're all trying to be extra, extra cautious right now. Um, the irony is that it doesn't really matter that I'm done with my self-imposed quarantine because by this point, nobody can leave their house. Um, and we're all stuck at home in, in our isolation, our sad little caves. Uh, but I hope that wherever you are, you are staying healthy and making the best of your time in your own personal quarantine. Uh, on that note... I know a lot of my readers uh, and people that I really hope are listening to this podcast. Uh, One thing that we have in common is that we love fairy tales and fairy tale retellings, which is why I am so looking forward to talking to today's guest. She is the author of The Sunbolt Chronicles, which includes Sunbolt and Memories of Ash, and her newest book, which just came out, Uh, Is called Thorn, which happens to be a retelling of The Goose Girl. So please welcome Intisar Kanani. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for being here. And your book Thorn just came out yesterday. Is that right? That's right. It's a strange time to have a book coming out. It is. It is a strange time. How are you feeling?
1: I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling great. Um, You know, it's uh, I, you worry a lot about, um, the booksellers that are, you know, closing their doors, unsure, um, what, what their, what their future holds. Um, so yeah. I, a lot of concern about our independent booksellers or our bookstores out there. Um, but I, I feel really good. Um, uh, my, my book's getting kind of a slow start, but you know, I'm more concerned with our, our larger context.
0: Yeah. No, I, I totally know what you're saying. The, the indie bookstores, they've had a tough run of it just kind of in general the last, what, couple of decades now, it seems. Um, and I know this, this isn't helping, but I also know that the, the bookstores that communities really love and support and have supported over the years, I, I feel like they're going to make it. I, I have faith.
1: I do have a lot of faith. It's been amazing to see the outpouring of support for, for indie booksellers over the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah. Where are you located?
1: I'm in Cincinnati. We have a really cool series, a uh, uh, independent bookstore here called Joseph Beth.
0: I love Joseph Beth. My very very first book tour event was at Joseph Beth. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, that's oh so cool
1: memories.
0: There was like twelve <laughs> people in the audience. It was oh. so good. So newbie, newbie author. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Were you um, supposed to have a, a book launch there? I was.
1: Yeah, it was going to be this Sunday, but. Um, other things happening in the world. Yeah. I actually had a really fun um, Instagram live stream last night instead. Oh, good. Um, It was was nice. It was, we still able to celebrate in our socially distant ways.
0: (laughs) Yes. Now I feel like this has forced a lot of people to really kind of think outside the box and host a lot more uh, virtual meetings and virtual events. So we're all practicing our creativity. I've, I've never had
1: virtual craft nights before. The last week,
0: <laughs> what is a virtual craft night?
1: It's just you know you all set up with your computers and you do your knitting and your crafting and chat with your friends. <laughs> it's on video chat.
0: That's um, so cute. Yeah. <laughs> I love. I want to be invited to virtual craft night.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> It was kind of rough when we were like, well, we were going to have craft night. And I was like, you know what? We're going to do it anyhow. We've got Skype.
0: <laughs> That's right. We have technology. Yeah. We're, we're always with each other if we want to be. Well, I'm sorry about, of course, everything, the world as it is, and not being able to have your book event, which I'm sure was going to be phenomenal and very, very well attended. Um, but nevertheless, your book is out. Thorn is in the world. Uh, and I want to know everything about it. What can you tell us about Thorn?
1: Um, so Thorn is a retelling of the Grimm's fairy tale, The Goose Girl, um, which is like a really strange story.
0: <laughs> it's one of my favorites. It is so strange. <laughs> it
1: is when you read the original, and you're just like, "What is going on here?" <laughs> um, it's it's a story about a a, a queen who. Um, has uh, an only child who's a daughter, and instead of giving her daughter her kingdom, um, she, um, for unknown reasons, sends her off to marry a prince no one's ever met before.
0: uh, as happens in fairy tales as as one does (laughs) to a
1: child and um and sends her off not with you know a set of guards to keep her safe but with a single maid who's also her bodyguard a personal diplomat and um like the person who's going to give her away at her wedding and um go figure the maid is not really happy to be a maid and so along the way she betrays Uh, the princess and forces them to switch places and you know as with every fairy tale there's some fabulous um, elements there's um, in this case uh, a cloth with some um, talking drops of blood (laughs) really uh, their only function appears to be to shame the princess they don't do anything useful and then um, and then there's a talking horse who never actually tells anyone what happens um and and also does not kick the maid in the head, and I just I don't understand this. Mm. Um, so they you know they go on to their um, their destination, and the true princess is sent off to be goose girl, and she appears to be a very happy goose girl for a long time, and then eventually uh, is discovered and um, reclaims her place at court. And it was one of these stories that you read, and you're just like, okay, why, you know, what? why. <laughs> Why is she happy as a goose girl? What what makes a person happy to turn their back on power and rank and privilege, and um, and be like, yeah, no, I'm gonna watch these stinky geese that bite me, um, <laughs> and I'm gonna live the life of a servant because that's so much better than where I came from. And you figure um, that there's a lot of untold story there. So uh, for me. Um, Thorne was, was really uh, intriguing to write because there were all these questions about power and privilege and um, safety and security and what security really means to us. And also um, the ability for a person to, especially a woman, to choose her own path when it feels like so many of our choices are made at birth, are made by the people around us. And sometimes you, you don't feel like you have any control over your destiny. So, what do you have to do to, to make your destiny your own? Do you have to walk away from it? Do you have to start over? Or can you can you claim your own life as yours?
0: Yeah, no, I love that. And I think that fairy tales in general are such fertile ground for exploring that. Yeah. Um and the Goose Girl, of course, is such a prime example um, where she Truly has no choice, no freedoms. Um, but then, by becoming, you know, by losing her station, she's almost gifted this mm-hmm. freedom that she's Absolutely. never known. You talked about we and before you told me that there's a lot of um, kind of dark themes uh, in the story, in the the book, mm-hmm. um, and you know, situations of of abuse, um, assault, personal loss. Uh, which I mean a lot of books we need that to tell the mm-hmm. stories that we're trying to tell um, but for a writer who's you know so in the the mind the head of our characters it can be difficult it can be trying to write very dark difficult things um, what was some of your experiences with that
1: I mean it, it can be heartbreaking so I um... I, you know, when I was trying to understand my main character, her name is Alira. So when I was trying to understand Alira's perspective and where she came from and why she would walk away um, from a, a position of apparent privilege and power was the realization that she felt powerless. And, um, and you know, so I, as I as I came to write her, I realized that she actually came from an abusive home. Um, and it's. It was, um, I, I tried to deal with it as, as compassionately and sensitively as I could, but, you know, I write first person point of view. And so I, I put myself um, literally into the eyes and the, and the shoes of my characters and I envision their lives and their interactions and, and it's heart, it's heartbreaking, you know, and um, all, all of the, the things we talked about, abuse, um, assault. where I don't, I don't have assault uh, well, there, there, you know, I was going to say, I don't have a salt graphically on page. There, there is um, some stuff that happens um, off page. There is um, some violence that happens on page. And it's, um, it, it's, it's harrowing to write. You know? mm-hmm. um, but you realize, I think when you're, when you're being true to fairy tales, they are about our deepest fears. They are about the monsters that lurk in the dark. And they're about the people who betray you and the dragons you have to slay. Mm-hmm. And to take those out of our stories is to do a disservice to ourselves because we need those stories. You know, that's that was the power of fairy tales is to give us a sense of like the fact that all of this horrible stuff happens in the world, and yet you can rise above it and you can you can slay your dragons.
0: Right. So, um,
1: it is it's very hard to do, and I think one of the 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 ways of getting through it is to remember to give yourself feasts along with the famine, as I say, you know, that, that there are um, always moments of beauty. There are always um, moments of friendship and hope and pure fun that happen along the way in every life and in every situation. Um, I mean, not in precisely in particular situations, but, you know, as you, as you go through. Um, and so I think, you know, as, as a writer, like, yes, you do have to deal with the, the gritty, hard stuff, but you know, there's, there's sunlight along the way and there's rainbows and you have to let yourself stop and enjoy them and, and bring the reader with you for that too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I know for me, when I'm plotting a story or visualizing a story, you know, the, the happier moments, the romantic moments or the, you know, those funny beats that happen, Mm -hmm. um, you know, between, the darker stuff, it's almost like the carrot on the stick. Like, okay, if I can get through this scene in which, you know, this character dies or there's this horrible thing that happens, but, but if I can just keep pushing on, eventually there's going to be kissing. So I just
1: have to get there. (laughs) just have to get to the kissing. Oh my gosh. Oh, that is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I don't want to, don't, don't want to, don't want to do spoilers, but I'll admit there's no kissing in my book.
0: No kissing? No. How could you write a book with no kissing? Horrible. I actually <laughs> remember.
1: So it, Thorn was actually all, it, it's the first book I've traditionally published. It's also my first indie published book. Um, and Harper team picked it up after about five years of its being out in the world. Um, and I remember for one of its early reviews, somebody wrote, uh, and I think they were used to very, very romantic books because their, their whole review consisted of no kiss (laughs) (laughs) it was one of those moments where I was like oh um oh dear did I mess up
0: (laughs) go back try again (laughs) I'm so sorry I betrayed you
1: (laughs) but um actually the story is I've I've heard the the romance and it described more of one about respect than about love Mm. So it's a very, um, it, it, there is a romance, but um, it's it's kind of one of these slow burns that um, is about learning to see each other clearly and um, and respect each other and and have a really strong basis for relationships. So I'm sure there will be kissing in the future, but that was not where we ended. <laughs> Are you, is, there, is there more to come in this story? Yeah, there kind of is. So Thorne is a standalone, um, but uh, as any, that, there are a couple of strands that are left kind of slightly loose at the end. Um, and at the end of the book, um, you'll find a short story called "The Bone Knife," and it introduces a new heroine named Ray. And um, I am writing a companion duology featuring oh, Ray yeah. right now. And so she, um, she actually ends up at, in in book one, which is called "The Theft of Sunlight." She ends up. Uh, in the capital city, and somehow, or the other, in a strange twist of fate, uh, ends up working for Princess Alira. Oh. And um, she, <laughs> I mean, it's possible an author was involved in the strange
0: twist of fate. <laughs> no, no, that's not how that works.
1: <laughs> um, and so she, her task is to figure out what happened to uh, the children who have been disappearing from the city. Um, which is something that's mentioned in Thorne but not really delved into.
0: Is this also a fairy tale based?
1: No this one is not. I do have other fairy tale uh, based stories I really want to write and I'm sure that you deal with this too there's just too many stories and not so enough many
0: stories <laughs> no I asked because just that that idea of the missing children gave me Pied Piper vibes
1: oh yeah um, no no I you know that's a really interesting idea but it's it's not uh it's not quite that unfortunately mm. it's um it's not just one person at work it would be so convenient if it was <laughs>
0: I hate it when stories aren't convenient.
1: You know, it, it happens all the time. It's like they're out to get you.
0: I know. They just really overcomplicate themselves to a frustrating <laughs> degree sometimes.
1: I, I actually had this really funny conversation with my editor a couple months ago. Where I was just, I was struggling with my edits and she's like, well, what's going on? And I said, it's all logistics. <laughs> She's like, um, I was like, I have to figure out how to get people where, and I can't have too many people in a room at a time. And I,
0: it's all logistics. <laughs> I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Like you sometimes a, a character is over in this side of the world, but you really need them to have a conversation with this character who's over here. And, and there's
1: no magical talking mirror, so, you know, how do you
0: do it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's no cell phones. It's just impossible. Just with
1: that. I, mean, <laughs> I feel like we should have the, you know, there should be forgiveness for at least one cell phone call in every fantasy book. <laughs> <There you go.
0: laughs> uh, the wizard drops the magical cell phone talking box into their hands. Um, I mean,
1: why is there not acceptance of this? It's fantasy, right? <laughs> right,
0: right. You can do anything. Your writer, catchphrase so to Mm -hmm. speak is that you write mighty girls in diverse worlds uh and I, i love that 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 just encapsulates what you're trying to accomplish and and go after with your writing um so i'm curious what to you makes a mighty character oh that's
1: a great question um i think we we tend to pigeonhole what mighty means um and for me, I I, I I think of mighty girls as as women who um, either are or are learning to be strong in who they are, whatever that means. Hmm. Um, so in the Sunbolt Chronicles, I have a really scrappy, resourceful, clever girl who has a hidden magical talent, and she's she's one of these people who just she never gives up. Like you know, she gets smacked down left, right, and center, and I don't know. She still gets up and she goes at it, and she's just amazing in that sense. And I mean, she—it's not that she's inhuman. She has her dark moments, um, but she's just incredibly resilient, um, and I love her for that. But on the on the flip side, you have Princess Alera, and she comes from you know this history of abuse, and when she gets the opportunity to leave behind the the, the world that has hurt her so much. I mean, she has no second thoughts about this. She's like, betrayal, whatever. This is a new life. I'm taking it. Um, and for her to be, you know, her journey of being a mighty girl is about learning to find her own inner strength in who she is. And she doesn't transform into a ninja. She doesn't have secret magical talent. She doesn't become a sorceress. Um, for her, her strength is in her compassion and her kindness, and we forget that those can be mighty traits. Um, we often look at mighty girls as, you know, they're strong and they're fast and they're um, they can it's fight. And, yeah, and and absolutely, that is mighty, but it's not the only mighty. You know? Yeah, mighty is uh, there. I I think we can forget that that mercy is a mighty trait. It takes so much strength to be merciful to someone, especially when they have been, you know, hurtful to you, um, it takes um, might to, um, to be humble, to, to step um, out of the way, to uh, not claim the center of attention. um, But at the same time, to always stand for yourself, you know, to not let people step on you. And, you know, what does that look like? And I, um, I think it's really important that we envision different kinds of mighty girls that we don't, As we try to empower our daughters and sisters and and ourselves that we don't pigeonhole ourselves into what does mighty mean that it's this almost um it's not it's not about how is a girl mighty like a boy like she she doesn't have to fight you know she doesn't have to be the more violent person out there she doesn't you know that's not sure she can be but it has to be the right mighty for her right and there are so many kinds of mighty. So, so, so writing mighty girls is, is about finding, um, finding characters who are all across that spectrum and recognizing the strength and beauty of, of, uh, our girls and our women.
0: I think that was beautifully said. Um, and you and I both have young daughters we talked about. Uh, <sighs> and, and so as a mom, I mean, I, I know that I, I'm often thinking about what I'm portraying to my girls and, you know, encouraging in them. Um, and you know, you want to see them blossom Mm -hmm. in every way that they can. Um, but you also recognize like every, every kid has their own strengths and the things that they're drawn to. And that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so on that note, you seem very mighty to me um and I say well, that because you. I noticed I don't know where I saw it if this is on your your blog or your website somewhere um but you're an activist true um, uh maybe <laughs> it's the word you know. used
1: not me <laughs> oh no <laughs> um, I'm active <laughs> yeah <laughs> Do
0: active things sometimes? I I
1: care about the world, and I like to shout about it. Um, I do. um, I do try and teach my girls, especially, um, how to speak up for and advocate for um, issues that we find important that we care about. Um, So you know, we we've been to many rallies together. They've uh, trailed along with me to stand outside of senators' offices, Um, but it's not. it's, it's just part of, of what we do. It's not necessarily something we do every day. So um, I'm not an activist in the sense that um, I don't have um, I don't have one uh, particular um, cause that we work towards on a you know on a daily or mm-hmm. weekly basis. Um, it's more just that I try to be actively civically engaged, and teach my children that. So, um, so maybe I'm an activist.
0: <laughs> I think it's fair. You've, you've stood in front of senators' offices. I think that, that counts. Um, <laughs> I have Only never done Only once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Been to rallies. No, but I think, uh, you know, it's okay to not have one cause that you're just out there championing, championing all the time. Um, because there are so many things to be passionate about, um, and so many causes to champion. Uh, and I think it's really healthy for children to see their parents taking on those roles, um, and doing what they can to be a part of the conversation. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: similarly, something I, That was so cool. Um, Before I, I, I'll back up just a second. Um, So a lot of, I've read a lot of books about positive psychology. um, And one thing that comes up again and again is that there's a really strong correlation between um, generosity uh, and overall life satisfaction and happiness. Um, And I saw on your website that you you uh donate a portion of all sales from the sunbolt chronicles your first series mm-hmm. uh to the united nations children's fund um, yeah. and i wanted to know what inspired you to to take on that um and what is it about unicef that that speaks to you
1: um i think i i come from a very a family that's been very very aware of of the fact that uh, you know we're, we're we're middle income but it, it's a it's a huge privilege to be able to say that um, you, you've really been blessed in many ways. And um, so we've always been aware of the need to um, to care for others, uh, whatever that means. And um, so I grew up volunteering and um, have done you know, my I, I find that. Um, that that is a work of service really speaks to me on a very deep level. Um, I actually did my master's in public health and worked for six years with the Cincinnati Health Department um, before I had my second daughter and decided to kick off my writing career when I was seven months pregnant. Which, mm. you know, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. I was like, yeah. oh, the two year old and the newborn, that's a perfect time to launch a book and start writing professionally. Naturally. Um, <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, when when I um, left the health department and um, we started writing and I was looking at it more as, um, you know, I was doing it professionally, but we weren't counting on the income. Um, And I was doing it mostly as a way to stay sane because I'm not one of those stay-at-home moms who can only be a mom and still remain sane. Like I, I need something that is for me and it feeds uh, me in some way, and I, I th- you know, I think it's healthy for for most people to have that, and I think um, we sometimes forget that. But um, so, I, you know, I decided to write, and um, I wanted to to um, to be able to to continue to help others and um, to give thanks for the ability to write. Um, so I decided that I would I would donate, and actually, for Thorne's original release, um, I. Uh, I would give a portion of my proceeds to Heifer International. And I chose Heifer because um, they provide um, animals and livestock to people around the world and train them how to raise them. And um, And their only caveat is that when those animals have been raised and cared for, um, that their, you know, their young should be given to someone else in the community. And that person should also be trained and how to care for them. So it's kind of a gift that keeps on giving. It's a really cool organization. They do amazing work. Um and it kind of made sense for um for Thorn because, you know, she's a Goose Girl. So there's Mm -hmm. this whole livestock tie-in. And I loved Heifer and I've been donating to them for years. And um with UNICEF with the Sunbolt Chronicles, it was, you know, I had this girl who's basically an orphan and growing up on the streets and um, and she needed UNICEF, you know, but they weren't there for her cause it was fantasy land. So <laughs> I was like, you know, but, but there is a UNICEF here. So I feel like we should be, we should be supporting them. So, um, I, uh, I chose UNICEF again. It was an organization I'd been, um, Uh, Involved with uh, previously just donating, Um, I love what they do, that they work across um, boundaries and they're able to work with governments that um, sometimes won't work with anyone else. Um, And they're really there for the children and the families. And that's so important because, uh, you know, through my my work and my studies in public health, uh, we know that children... And mothers are are some of the most vulnerable populations out there, and children, babies especially. One of the things that you can look at for to understand the health and, and future economic prosperity of a country is their infant mortality rate. Because mm-hmm. the rate at which babies die in a country tells you um, how the most vulnerable are being treated. Um, because these are the these are they can't advocate for themselves, right? Babies yeah. have no one to speak for them, um, except if their families know to speak for them, which we don't always, you know, on a case by case basis, uh, you don't have that kind of power. And, um, and so, you know, UNICEF going in to directly work with these populations um, made a, per- made perfect sense for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, do you, do you feel like, um, being involved or connected to these different organizations like how does that come back to influence you um either on a personal level or on a writing level
1: that's a really great question you know I think it just um what one thing it does is it helps me to um maintain a sense of connection to uh people around the world that that I don't necessarily have a direct connection with if that makes sense mm, mm-hmm. um but it's just the sense that like you know we're all connected and and i can't necessarily help people in refugee camps directly because i can't i'm i'm here in cincinnati you know in, in quarantine lockdown <laughs> <laughs> um, but i i can still you know make these donations and hope and like right now we're also making donations to our local free store food bank our local food uh food mm-hmm. You know, um, because I know there's people really close to home who are in dire need right now. And I'm, I in no way want to um, ignore that, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, and I, I hope that, you know, if everyone were to pick a couple of places and donate uh, as they're able to, you know, th- those, who, those of us who have the income to be able to donate, we would solve so many of the world's problems
0: problems. <laughs> it's so true. It is so true. Uh, you mentioned food banks. I would point out um, Feeding America is is one of the organizations that I really uh, care about and, and love to support. Um, and in times like these, they do need our support. So yeah. Um, thank you. And I love what you said that we are, we are all connected. Uh, I think that's really important to remember. Um, and Right now, it just feels particularly fitting um, because there is this weird disconnect happening um, in society. And yet, I think the, the way that people are taking to the internet and social media um, and finding other ways to connect, I mean, it, it kind of just shines a light on that, that, that we need social interactions and connections with other people um, even if we can't be there together physically. Absolutely. It's so important. Um, all right. We are going to do a uh, wrap up with a happy writer lightning round. Okay. Okay. You're You sound nervous.
1: <laughs> you didn't warn me about this one Marissa <laughs> This is the
0: easiest part of the interview You're fine
1: <laughs> There's no kiss no.
0: <laughs> How much kissing is in your book? Negative, negative <laughs> um, because When you were talking about it We kind of got off, uh, off course a little bit But I wanted to mention that Mulan Is of course I think one of the best Disney movies um, and when you were talking about like this romantic relationship of respect, but yes. does he have kissing? I was like, well, yeah. on. like yes. it works there. So
1: it, it really does. It really can work. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I guess, I, I'm <laughs> Thank you. you. Thank you, Marissa. <laughs> <laughs> you just made
0: me sound a lot less weird. I appreciate it. <laughs> okay. All right. Lightning round. <clears throat> um, what book makes you happy?
1: Uh, Jane Austen's *Pride and Prejudice*.
0: Yay, it's my favorite too. <laughs> my number one always. It is. <laughs> what do you do to celebrate an accomplishment? I eat cookies. <laughs> you had that one at the ready.
1: I was eating cookies before we call. We started <laughs> talking. <laughs> what kind? Um, and today I had a um, Girl Scout tag along because I'm also um, a Girl Scout leader for my daughters.
0: Oh, you're a busy lady. It's a lot. You, of a fun. Lot, you got a lot going on.
1: Uh, you know, it, yeah, but it's a lot. I have a, I have a wonderful co leader and we have termed each other the Trip Leaders of Doom and we had a great time.
0: <laughs> I had Girl Scout Thin Mints actually before we started this interview. Ooh, those So We are hoarding ours. <laughs> No, <laughs> we're almost out. We're at our last oh. box. Uh, the season comes and goes so quickly. How do you fill the creative well?
1: I read a lot. Um, I also, I really like to go to plays, which is mm. has been hard to do uh, with younger children, but um, we're slowly getting back into that. But I love the theater.
0: So I do I too. To do What's your what do, you, what do you have a favorite?
1: Um, no, no, not really. Um, there's a lot of amazing, a lot of amazing things out there. So I, I don't, I don't think I could, I could pick one.
0: <laughs> That's okay. You don't have to. I just thought I'd check. Um, what are you reading now or what's next on your TBR?
1: Uh, I am just starting The Light at the Bottom of the World by uh, London Shaw, which is, um, I, I can't, i'd love to tell you more about it um (laughs) (laughs) i'm really just starting it um it's about uh, a 16 year old uh, girl who uh is um she's a racer like a submarine or submersible racer and um she she enters this uh super prestigious marathon and then things go sideways and she discovers corruption and i haven't gotten, um, into that part yet, so I can't speak to it, but it's, it's really exciting so far. I'm really enjoying it. (laughs) Uh,
0: last question, where can people find you? Oh, so I,
1: my website is booksbyintisar.com and, um, booksbyintisar is my handle on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so, so much for being here with me today to celebrate your new book, Thorn. Thank you
1: so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure.
0: I'm really, really glad that we could do this. Um, And I can't wait to get my hands on the book. Uh, And I know all of my, my fairy tale loving readers are definitely going to want to check it out too. Um, So yes, everyone go get your hands on Thorn. Uh, As you heard, it is out now. Uh, And of course, if you can, we always uh, recommend supporting your local indie bookseller. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and let me know that you're listening out there. You can also follow me on Instagram at Marissa Meyer author or email me at my website, marissameyer.com And let me know if there's any particular authors that you would like me to interview in a future episode until next time, make sure you are staying healthy. Stay at least six feet away from everybody. Um and as always please try your best today to make someone else's day a little bit brighter.